Welcome to the ministry of the International Christian Assembly in Southeast Spain. We are here for the purpose of worshipping God and reaching others with love. We pray that as you listen, you will be inspired and challenged in your walk with God. Amen. Again, good morning to you all. It is the Christmas season very much underway and so as a result uh, it was uh, our choice once again to speak on the subject of Christmas. And so we're going to talk about uh, for the next couple of Sundays about a fitting gift and a fitting uh, a gift and a well-wrapped gift, a fitting gift today and a well-wrapped gift. So um, on this uh, advent of love, let's pray and ask God to just guide our hearts as the word uh, is spoken to us. Father, it is indeed your word. It has been great studying in bibliology how it is that we can confidently open its pages and know that it is your word to us. Now we entrust ourselves to your spirit to help us in understanding it and in adapting it, Father, to our day-to-day. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. There are indeed words, uh, sometimes single words, that just uh, sort of hold an entire section of uh, Scripture together. One word sometimes is all it takes to either build a, a premises of what God is trying to say or, or mislead and, and, and actually communicate the wrong essence. If you hang it on the wrong word and in the wrong way. But if you hang it on the right word the right way, then it can turn out to be just great teaching from God to us. And I trust that this morning... That will be the case as we talk about a fitting gift. You're going to have to engage a little here. Not that you really ever get a chance to sleep through these messages, but um, you know, just kind of engage a little with me because we're going to talk about Christmas, but you're going to have to find Christmas in my um, conversation, in my sermon to you this morning. You know, Jesus Christ existed before he was conceived in Mary's womb. You, you do understand that. You and I did not exist before conception. There is actually an entire teaching that says that you and I existed in eternity as little spirits, and, you know, and um, when uh, mommy and daddy got together, you know, a little spirit was sort of drawn out of eternity to join. If you've never heard that, good. It's good. Don't bother looking into that. So when we speak of our coming into the world... Or perhaps in scripture where it says uh, that John the Baptist being sent from God. We don't mean that he or we existed before we were sent. What we mean and what scripture means is that our being sent was our coming into 
being into existence. Not so with Jesus. Not so with Jesus. See, that is an important aspect of who Jesus is. Because if you understand he existed in eternity unlike you and I, then you have to start coming to conclusions of who he is. That he wasn't just some random man that God decided to empower to be a great preacher and blah, 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 blah. John chapter 16, this is what Jesus says. I came from the Father and have come into the world. And now I am leaving the world and going to the Father. Sort of took a journey, did he not? From eternity into our time, into our linear life. And then back out into eternity. Wow. See, you didn't get to do that. You just kind of came, existed out of, like, you know, mom and dad. And God, in his grace, knew that and did something about it. But if you've come to know Christ as your Savior, he has then um, uh, set your journey for eternity. Because Ecclesiastes says he has put eternity in your heart. If you've come to know Christ as your Savior. So, the Son of God chose to be conceived in Mary's womb. And that should kind of blow our minds, right? Because we can't conceive that, you know, mind the pun. You know, you, you can't think about that. And it's like, how do I understand that? He chose the vessel, Mary. And he chose to come into Mary and be born. That's just awesome. So neither you nor I choose to be born as humans. There are questions about some being hatched, but we won't deal with that right now. But he did. He chose. He chose to be born. And actually, Scripture's language is, he was chosen. Wow. Though he was in the form of God, uh, Philippians says, Paul, through that book, says, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a slave, being born in the likeness of men. So as God, he considered what he would do. And upon his consideration, he counted his equality with God something he would not grasp. So tight as to let it hinder his incarnation. Redemption was the plan was always the plan. So he took, Scripture says, the form of a doulos, of a slave, for you. He took on the form of a slave for you because he wanted to show you how much he loved you. So why did God write the Christmas story? 
I mean, they say that the Bible is just a, a, a contraption that was invented by men. They need to come to our bibliology class. But Eli, who would conceive writing this story like this? Why did God write the Christmas story? Which definitely begs this question. It, it, it does. You read the story and you have to say, well, then why? God could have created and run the universe so differently. I mean, I would have. I'm not so sure that I would have sacrificed my firstborn, whom I love dearly, for a lot like you. <laughs> Never mind a lot like me. But he did. He did. So one of the deepest biblical answers is that, listen, this passage says this in verse 10. It was fitting. That's, a, that's just incredible. It was fitting. I say this is one of the deepest answers because, now listen, there is no reality above God. There is no reality outside of God that he must fit into. He wasn't following an outside plan. He had, there was no previous blueprint to this. He didn't have to fit into something in order to do right. He just decided this is the fitting thing to do for creation. God himself is the measure of all that is right. He is the measure of all that is good and true and beautiful. So, to say that his ways are fitting, as Paul, uh, the writer, excuse me, the writer of Hebrews says, they're fitting, means they fit with himself because there's no other measurement folks when it says it's fitting it's not that you measure it against something else Zeus or some other weird invention of man you know no it's fitting when you measure it only to God because there's nothing outside of him so his ways are consistent harmonious with all that he is. So when you read in Hebrews that it was fitting that he should, and then it goes on for an explanation, you have to say to yourself, because there was nothing to measure it to. He is God. There was nothing outside of him. So Hebrews 2.10, and we're going to put that back up on the screen for you, says that in establishing our faith through Christ's suffering, which that's a sermon in and of itself, in establishing our faith through his suffering, God acted fittingly. Listen to what it says. It was fitting that he... Blank, 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 should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. It was just fitting. 
who's just proper. Christ became the perfect savior through suffering. It was fitting. It was fitting that he do so. This is no small thing. For an all-wise, all-powerful God to see something as supremely fitting is to see it as supreme obligation. Oh, you mean he was obliged to do this? Well, we'll conclude the answer is yes. But now let's work our way there. For God would never do anything that is what? Not fitting. Could you imagine God doing something improper? Not fitting? Nor forget to do anything that was. So this explains the shocking words of seven verses later in Hebrews 2.17. That's the end of our thought. In Hebrews 2.17, it says, Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brothers, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest. Now, right right there, I I should stop right there and and start off on a series. Because it calls for it, folks. It screams out for a series. Had to? You, you never, you, you, you never want to get someone very upset. But if you want to, just tell them they have to do something. Remember your children? And you would tell them they have to pick up their room. And oh my word, you think that you had just asked them to sacrifice themselves on the altar. Right? Or your boss telling you to do something. I don't know about it in, in the UK, I don't know, you know, other countries, you know. In America, at least, we have this saying, the only thing you have to do are two things, die and pay taxes. Everything else is an option. But it says there in Hebrews 2.17, therefore, in all things, he had to be made. Had to? The answer is Yes. That word is translated obligated. He was obliged. He was obligated. Oh, Phelan. He was owed. He was indebted to his creator. He had to. God had to. You would have, I would have picked a plan where others had to. Right? I mean, isn't that what you do when you're boss? Right? Yeah, you, you make everybody else work. You pay them, but you make them work. He had to be made like his brothers. He is obliged by the divine wisdom in seeing what is what? Fitting. In, in, in doing what was fitting, he was obliged to follow that plan. He had to. Do what was fitting. Not as man reckons, but as God himself reckons. It's how he knew the plan had to be executed. 
So it was fitting. He was obliged. So how is Christmas fitting? When you think about Christmas and, uh, you know, the manger and the sheeps and the, you know, we're going to, are we going to, no, we're not going to miss. We're, we are having a Christmas. Yeah, we are. Uh, a drama. You know, you got to see the angels. You got to see the, you know, the, the, the shepherds. And, yeah, yeah. But how is that fitting? You see, sandwiched between Hebrews 2.10 and Hebrews 2.17, between is the, celeb- the declaration that Christ suffered because it was fitting. And Christ became like us because he was thus obliged to. The great description of why Christ became human. It was fittingly an obligation. Not from external sources, pressuring him to do so, but out of his love for his creation. He had a plan. Hence, this is part of the picture of how the incarnation was fitting. So each line in verse 14 and 15 are themselves a sermon. See, y'all need to be really grateful that I didn't make an entire thing out of this. Because it's just begging for a series. Why it was fitting. Chapter Uh, 2 verse 14 and 15 kind of read out like this since the children share in flesh and blood he himself likewise partook of the same so that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death that is the devil and free those who through fear of death were subject. To slavery all their lives. So let's look at our first thought here. Our first point here is he became human because we are human. He became human because we are human. Because that is how he created us. So God's great aim is to have a family of human children in which his eternal son is one of them, yet supreme over all. That was his plan. Romans chapter 8 verse 29 says, Those whom he foreknew, he also predestined, To be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Hebrews 2.17, going back down to that last verse, says, Therefore, in all things, he had to be what? Made like his brothers. Plural, neutral form of uh, boys and girls. No discrimination here. For all, he had to be made like all. 
Now in verse 11 of that same chapter, it says that for this reason, he's not ashamed to call them brothers. You see, it wasn't a mistake. It wasn't a last-ditch plan. It wasn't a, oh, how do I get this guy out of this mess? That's Adam, by the way. How do I get him out of this mess? No. No, this was a fitting, thought-out plan in eternity past in which he said, I have no choice. Outside of me, there is no answer. There is only an answer inside of me. Therefore, I am obliged. And you think, what? So he says, that's why I'm not ashamed to call them my brothers. Because that was my plan. This was my plan. So, this is fitting. Fitting meaning seemly, consistent, Beautiful in God's eyes. Number two, he became human so that he might die. Now, you and I, we don't start off like that, right? I mean, from the minute we come out of mommy, we are fighting for breath, right? We're grasping for breath. They're smacking us. We spit out all that stuff that got into us. You know, we're grasping to get some oxygen in, get those lungs to expand. We're crying so loud that mom and dad are going, oh, isn't he beautiful? Isn't she beautiful? Listen to that cry. We're desperately trying to get some oxygen. And then the rest of life, it's going to doctors so they keep us alive. Because we were born to live. We weren't born to die. Death scares people. Death catches them by surprise, depresses them, because we weren't meant to die. And so the plan was about living. It was all that was about living. But under one condition, he had to die. See, he was born to die unlike you, who just wants to live. Now, mind you, as nice as this place is, you know, I mean, if it wasn't, you wouldn't have retired into the Costa Blanca thing. But as much as this place is okay, I still say eternity. I'm still shooting for eternity. This is just, I'm just passing through, right? This is, I'm just passing through. Second, as I said, so that he might die. It says in Hebrews 2.14, he partook of the same, and it's, it's the flesh and blood, humanity. He partook of the same that through death, through death. Now here's a thought that you have got to also grasp. God, by his very nature, cannot die. That's why, that's why it confuses everybody, this whole Trinitarian thing, you know? Because they're like, wait a minute. If he died on the cross, did God die? Then we got to explain, you know, a lot of aspects about Jesus, 100% God, 100% man, and, and there's a lot more to it. But, but the God-man, Jesus Christ, Jesus the Christ, he could die. Because dying was fitting. 
He could. Therefore, he became human. What is the other word for human? Don't, no, don't, don't wait. Let me, let me, because you could say just about it. Mortal, mortal. He became mortal. He took on mortality. We had no choice. You realize that? He did. He saw eternity and all that is divine, something not to grab onto. He let go, took on mortality for you and for me. And it all kind of came into existence at Bethlehem. But in reality, it was in his mind from the beginning because he had no choice. It was fitting. The third is that he became human, that by dying, that through this death, he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil. And not to put the devil out of existence, you realize that he's not out of existence yet. But to revoke his ability to make death damning. He revokes from him the ability to make death damning. The devil demands, or damns, I should say, excuse me, with one weapon. There's only one weapon he has to damn humanity. Unforgiven sin. There is nothing else. Unforgiven sin. And if he can accuse us in God's court and do it in a successful way, and get a guilty verdict, we're damned. And so the cross. And the cross has taken away from him that power. In the death of Christ, God, it says in Colossians chapter 2, he says he canceled the record of debt that stood against us. He canceled the record of debt that stood against us, nailing it to the cross, thus <coughs> disarmed the rulers and the authorities. That is the devil. He disarmed them. Now you take away the power from someone that that is all that drives them and you've destroyed them. It's as if they are no more. <coughs> Excuse me. He was disarmed in that the weapon of successful accusation was taken out of his hand. We were given an advocate, a lawyer. So it was a glorious fitting that he be destroyed in this way. That was a fitting end to him. Take away his power. Take away his power. I would add, and put him in a round room and tell him to go sit in a corner. <laughs> Number four. Fourth reason the Son of God became human was to free all of those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Hebrews 2.15. So now when believers look into the 
dark face of death, they say the words of Corinthians 15, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? So no more fear, no more bondage, now or ever. Free. We're free to say no to his temptations. We're free to say no when he wants to trip us up, make us to get in trouble with God or disappoint the spirit of God. We can say no. Before we couldn't. We were slaves. Such a life is fearless life. And I'll add fitting, fitting life for the saints. That's fitting for us. No fear. No bondage. No fear. So let's conclude real quick here. Seeing what is fitting, there is... Seeing all that is fitting, his plan was fitting, his coming was fitting, the fact that he was obliged was fitting, the fact that you've been freed is fitting, and the fact that you now have that life is fitting. Seeing what is fitting, when God pondered how to write the story of the universe, there was nothing outside of himself to guide him, nothing. It was an invention out of God. He made his choices according to how all things fit. Are you good at puzzles? I am terrible at puzzles. My wife would pull out this, you know, 500-piece things, you know. I mean, first she would start, she started with the kids with like 25. I could, I, I could deal. Then there were the 50-piece ones, and because they were big, I could, I could get the edges done. Yeah. After 50, I, they lost me. I mean, my kids, they, at Christmas, they like to, when they come from, you know, they like to do puzzles, right? They do puzzles, dad just sits and takes a nap. I, I just don't do puzzles. I don't know how to fit them. It was fitting. He fit all things into a design that would best reveal his fullness. Because it was about him, by the way. This is all about him showing us who he is. Showing us how grand he is. How marvelous he is. Showing us how much he loved us. This is his plan to reveal who he is to us. He himself and nothing else established what is fitting, what is seemingly consistent and beautiful for redemption. So Christmas happened because it was... So Christmas happened because it was... Oh my word, are you guys asleep already? Give me a chance. I mean, I mean, really. It's all, it's, we're not even... We're just barely getting past noon. Quarter after, I'll let you snooze a little. But then you got to wake up by 25 after for me to finish. Christmas happened because it was 
oh, doesn't that sound beautiful now that you know what it means? Now you get to spend eternity growing in your ability to see what God sees. You start those puzzles, I, 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 just, I, don't, I just look away. You know, there's a bag, there's this clump inside, and there's a picture on a box, and the two things to me just do not connect. I just can't see them. But we'll get to spend eternity seeing how it all fits. So the more you have the mind of Christ, the more you see the beauty of it all. And Christmas goes back to being something that goes way beyond a gift. The lights, the wrappings, the turkey, our ham, whatever your choice is. This is just the celebration here on earth for an amazing event planned out in eternity past. Reaching all the way to eternity future. See, you, you, you look at that manger and can you see the collision of eternity past and eternity future at that moment, God stepped into his creation. We, we, we see birth like such a normal thing, right? But this was God in that plan, in that fitting plan. So God's way. So make this your aim. By every means possible to see the majesty of God's way of salvation. Rejoice in it and reflect. We're going to step with those thoughts right into communion. Because I can think of no more fitting way to finish our service this morning. So why don't we just pray and lead into the elements. Father... We talk about you being the designer. The world is looking for a designer. The scientists fight as to whether there is a designer. We look into your word and we see nothing but design. We see that even your word says it was fitting. Thank you. Thank you, Father, for allowing us to celebrate once again your advent. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the ministry of the International Christian Assembly, a ministry of AMG Spain and AMG International. For more information, please visit our website at www.icatorrevieja.org. This audio file is not copyrighted.